Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Make Mind Media, the show all about Spider-Girl and her world. I'm Zach Joyner. This is the audio edition of the program. If you like this show, leave let us let us know. Give us a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Uh, before we get started, i got to thank our patrons at patreon.com slash Network. It's been a while since we've done these audio editions, so without further ado, i got to thank Vinkman, Scott, Greg, Phoenician, Jurgen, Kale, Georgia, Cindy, Jessica, and Catherine. Thank you guys for your support of all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as Voices from the Area, Gargoyles Podcast. Shows such as Spectacular Radio and Clone Saga Chronicles. Shows such as Amazing Spider-Man Classics, Savvy Sema Era Podcast, and upcoming soon, more Patreon-exclusive content. Books of X will be a Patreon-first show. We've got some exclusive stuff, exclusive reviews over on Patreon.com slash Network as well. With a uh, coming soon will be a live commentary that is going to be exclusive to our Patreon subscribers. So if you like that type of stuff, let us know. So without further ado, I got to uh, give our usual disclaimer. These shows are usually live streamed on YouTube, youtube.com slash Radio Network. And as a result, there's going to be some live comments and or visual aids that are going to be referenced on the show. So if you pay that no mind, uh, or you want to, you can always go watch the YouTube feed. It is available in the same episode as the show is being posted. So if you go to spidey-dude.com, you click on the episode, it's going to be in the show notes of the episode. So if you want to check out the video version, it's always in the uh, down below the description. So without further ado, let's get started here on Make My Mayday. Hello and welcome to another episode of Make Mine Mayday, the show all about Spider-Girl on the NC2. This episode, we're going to be covering issues six through eight of Amazing Spider-Girl, and, and thank you for watching and thank you for listening. Before we get started, we want to thank our patrons, of course, Vickman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, and Kale. Thank you guys for your support of this show and all of our shows here on the Spidey Radio Network. Shows such as the Spidey Experience, Voices from the Eerie, Stabby Sima Era Podcast, Amazing Spider-Man Classics, Spectacular Radio, and coming very soon, the finale of Clone Saga Chronicles. Um, tonight is a great night, and of course, I can't do this show without Kelly. Hello, Kelly. Hello. How is everybody doing? It's a, it's a random Tuesday, but it's a-okay, because this is going to be a short, quick episode. Yes. Like, um, like you have down on the screen, because I know our audio listeners cannot see it. Yes. Uh, Mr. Comics 89 uh, says, you know, it's been a hell of a day and he wants to unwind with us, which is great because we want to oh. unwind with you guys. Yes, absolutely. We want to have some fun tonight. Uh, <laughs> we've, uh, may you live in interesting times has been certainly a, a, a theme of both me and Kelly. <laughs> so over the last couple of months. And so uh, we want to just have some fun talks about some great, amazing Spider-Girl comics. And as Kelly said, uh, I give the usual disclaimer. Uh, of course, these shows are live streamed. And if you're listening to the audio edition, pay us no mind as we're going to make some references to the visual aids and or live comments. So be sure to check us out on YouTube.com slash Spidey Dude Radio Network. And uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. So, um, yeah. And then we got SoFlo uh, in the house saying hello to Kelly and Zach. Um, so we got some, uh, we got some news to talk about a little bit. Um, news. Uh, so eventually, uh, you know, if anybody's checked their email and still was a part of pop in the box and didn't cancel their pre-order cause it took too long. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they did ship out. Um, they were delivered. I know I got mine sometime on Friday or Saturday, but it shipped to my mom's house. Um, yeah. Right. I normally put pre-orders just in case I don't know where I'm going to be. And, uh, yeah. So I know it's there. I saw, um, Brad from Spider-Man Crawl Space did get mm-hmm. his and posted some photos today. Um, from his photos, it could just be his. They do look a little cleaner around the eyes than mm-hmm. the one that I got from the international version. However, the only difference is a sticker. Okay? <laughs> like I warned. Everybody. The everybody. Only- when oh. I realized what the heck was going on. Um, so, yeah. So, I... I'm glad people got theirs. I know I got mine. Um, I know some people with debit cards were charged twice. Uh, so make sure, um, make sure you can fix it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I had problems with mine. Uh, I'm still dealing with them going back and forth with them. So I still have not gotten mine yet. And it didn't help that when I pre-ordered this, I wasn't even planning on moving 630 miles away. (laughs) So if it gets shipped, it's probably going to end up getting shipped to my dad's house. So, yeah. um, At least someone's there. That's that's the good thing. He's going to be like, Uh, what? (laughs) But, yeah, no, I've got to. And they were having trouble with my processing it and stuff. So I've got to get with them. And they're fine. They're a fine crack team of customer care. Yeah. Yeah. Customer (laughs) care. Uh, But yeah, no, hopefully you get things resolved. Um, If not, I mean, I guess I can ship you this extra one since I bought the international version. Yeah, I did that on purpose. So I could take the photos side by side. Um, So I will be um, at for our video listeners. I am in a hotel not in my normal area and not in the office at work, which at least, yeah, no office. Um, I am doing some unexpected travel and that's all I'm going to go into on it. Um, So no, no more questions on it. Okay. Uh, But I will, I do have my international version. I will bring it with me when I go to my mom's house uh, for much needed uh, puppy time with yes. the doggos. So, um, I will, I will compare the versions and take photos and maybe, uh, I'll give them to Zach to put on the social web yeah, we'll on social media. Uh, we'll also put them up on the uh, front page of spidey-dude.com. Speaking of there, you can find, a, a like figure type reviews. Um, hobby sent me the Mayfex Ben Riley, sort of related. Yeah. And, uh, I want to, both hug him and punch him at the same time because uh, this was completely unexpected. And uh, I love it, man. It's the, that it really is one of the best action figures that you can. Mayfex does a really great job. Yeah. Uh, I just happen to be the unfortunate sap that bought a knockoff and uh, the knockoffs are trash. <laughs> They're good to a point. Uh, I wouldn't get what you paid for. You paid for a knockoff. You got a knockoff. That's, that's how this works. I did. And uh, some knockoffs, sometimes you can get knockoff and they're, and they're pretty much the same quality. Uh, I I haven't had terrible success with like Marvel legends knockoffs because they're usually using the same mold. Um, This was the same mold. It just, it just, the thing fell apart. Um, So 
uh, eventually I think I'll probably get the, uh, they just reissued the uh, regular Spidey. So uh, with actually more accessories, I think. So yeah, there's that. I'm hoping that they'll do a Spider Girl because they just did a Ben Riley, like Scarlet Spider. They just uh, announced the pre-orders for that and it looks gorgeous. Okay. Where are we from the 25th, a year? Uh, yeah, we're about a year away. Oh, God. So maybe maybe for the 25th we'll get something That would be fun. cool. Um, I'm hoping for at least a Marvel wow. Legend. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's just saying that makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> right. It makes me feel old. Um, makes, but, me feel, makes us feel old. Uh, yeah, but it's, hey, uh, you know, we'll we'll see. We'll see what we get. Um Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's really the only news that I know of. Um, again, other than I know that um, Mayday has been shown on a few covers for yes. the Spider-Verse. Um, <sighs> you know, uh, again, I'll put it this way. Obviously, we'll review it. Mm -hmm. uh, so we're going to, I would say, ultimately, like I went through a little rant last time. I'm going to reserve my judgment and reserve... Um, you know, kind of just reserve my feelings on it um, for when we review it. We might talk about it depending on what actually happens in it. But yes. ho hopefully nothing too crazy where we would need to make it a news article, like a news discussion uh, will happen and we can kind of just save it. Because clearly as they, we're going through every appearance and so at, at the moment, that's an appearance, and we'll we'll handle it. But yeah, I mean, it's one of those things we'll get to it on the show. But yeah, hopefully she's just on the cover. But that's that's yeah. my two cents. I'm just like, hopefully she's just like, nah, I got school. Bye. I'm not dealing with this anymore. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, I, yeah, I mean. Unfortunately, what they've done is before, like with um, you know Spider Geddon, they they added more questions and answers, and so I'm not really looking forward to that part. Um, if they're now, if they do something like ancillary where Tom and Ron come back and they do something, yeah, yeah, I'm but good with that, well, of course, I, of course. But I, as it stands now, I would much rather the current creative team maybe just have her in an issue with all of them all together and just says, look, I've got, you know, after the events of Spider-Geddon, I have a lot of things I got to deal with in my home world. I can't handle this. Yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, if she makes a cameo, then we'll cover it and we'll talk yeah. about it and, and, you know, kind of do like a odds and ends type thing. Cause like, it's not like she did a lot in Spider-Geddon, you know, um, yeah, and that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, most of Spider Geddon is her. It's ultimately really just her being a supporting character in Annie's story, and sure. I'm I'm okay with that in the sense that she wasn't completely mischaracterized. Right. Um, I think Jody Hauser did the best she could with what she was handed. Um, that seems to be a, a common theme at Marvel. With yes. So. Right do ancillary books <laughs> yeah yeah so again like i'm not i'm not upset um you know in those situations it's just currently don't have a lot of faith and i don't have a lot of faith in Mar current marvel right now um yeah, well, so yeah. i just i'm 
my, my nerves are more like I want to protect my character, my favorite character, and I don't want bad things to happen, and I don't want a continuation of what honestly is not honestly like a borderline traumatic story for me. Um, but you know what? We'll read it anyway and talk to you guys about it. And that's kind of where we are. Uh, again, nothing major. Uh, otherwise, um, you know, these aren't like super, you know, super breaking news. Mm -hmm. uh, just follow-ups and updates on the things that we do see. And yeah, yeah. I mean, if we see anything else, um, I don't think the October solicitations have come out yet. So no, no, maybe. they haven't. You know, by the time we next time we record, that may be the case. Um, especially if we're doing it on Thursday, because they tend to release those on Thursdays. So um, it, it always happens. Like I recorded SDE, and then we're like, "Oh, we'll, we'll do the solicitations," and then <laughs> and then the solicitations come out the next day. So yeah. you know, um, but if like I say, we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled. Um, let us know if you guys see anything, and uh, if there is anything worth noting, we'll uh, we'll bring it up next episode on the on there. So. Exactly, uh, which, you know, our next episode will be the Fantastic Five Volume 2. And yeah. I think we're still planning on it this month. Uh, we will let you know if things change. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe. And subscribe to the YouTube channel especially because I'll be putting it up ready to go through StreamYard once we have the date hammered out. Um, that is my goal, at least with all of our shows, is to have that up on the uh, YouTube, that, that feature up on YouTube, too. So we'll be, um, yeah, um, I'll have another episode of SDE whenever the whenever they publish uh, 900. Uh, that, that's the tentative plan. So, uh, yeah, but let's uh, let's go. Let's get to the topic at hand. We'll talk about what was going on with Marvel at this time. Um of course, we've kind of talked about the era of which this is being published. Uh, this is right around the time of House of M. So that's the big, massive event that is going on at Marvel. Uh, there's some house ads and stuff like that. If you're reading in the floppies particularly, you'll see uh, references to that, which makes the story we're covering uh, at the end of the episode kind of apropos, weirdly, and it kind of semi-ties in because you're dealing with a mutant uh, situation. But, uh, but yeah, no, we're writing, we were writing high for my notes, um, the the fandom was really riding high at this point. We're the first arc is starting to wind down. Of course, they had the on the trade dress. Whatever happened to the daughter of Spider Man Part Six? And this is of course the time when they were writing for the trades. So uh, the trade uh, and speaking of trades, uh, during the the I think when issue seven was being published, it was the same month that. Digest number nine was coming out, so they're still publishing the digests. Uh, things are going good. We have the we have the relaunch title, and sales did go up, and then they kind of stayed. There there was an increase compared to the first volume. Uh, obviously, the the first issue, you know, was more than double, but that was because of variant covers and things like that. But uh, really, really sold well, um, and and there was you know it, it kind of went back down to about twenty five. 27,000, which was better, about, about an increase of about a 5,000 uh, readers, about 5,000 more readers than before. So uh, the relaunch did work and bring in new readers, and, and it kind of held steady this whole time. So, um, yeah, that's uh, there is a, of note, Tom wrote a Spider Girl story that was pr in a prose format. Oh, yeah. Um, speaking of that, we will discuss that 
but it will be towards the end just because I actually didn't know where that was. Because you're talking about the dress, right? I think so. Um, I, I was just I, I, how I call it the dress. It's the dance. Uh, I'm calling the dress because I found something that was the right color and looked just like the little drawing in it. And um, I can't. So, I gotta lose some weight to fit. <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, so um, I, yeah. I get. Uh, uh, so I, I don't know why I would, like my brain went the dress. It, it, I'm tired. You're, you're thinking of, yeah, no, no, there was a, there was a magazine that was coming out at the time called Spider-Man magazine. It was kind of like, it would republish some stories in it. Uh, it was in more of a magazine type format, but there was, so it was, I think intended to be more mass market, but it ended up just being in comic shops. I think I've got a couple of them, but I don't know if I have the one that has this story in it. So see, that's, so if it's the story I'm thinking about, if that was published, are you sure that was published on this time and it wasn't published a little later? Because the story, um, the, the story uh, is a little shippy, uh, and uh, the current boyfriend is not involved. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I'm just I'm a little confused. Around the same time as uh, issue seven, which I don't have. We'll get to that in a minute, <laughs> but it was mentioned in the letters page. Uh, you can find, and I think they have the letters page on Marvel Unlimited. So um, I think that's where they mention it is in that letters page. I'll double there check. Might, there might be another story, and we might just cover them all as one episode. The pro yeah. stories. I'm gonna double check because I'm not 100 percent sure. I remember one story, um, but I really don't. I'm like a little lost on the line. I'm like just Sorry. wondering why that would be. I can't remember. I'm gonna have to reread it. Um, if you hear movement on my end, I have a I have a 75 pound uh, Waylon deciding to be a hurricane coming in and making his presence. So hello to Waylon. Hi Waylon. And he smells he smells the French fries that I've been working on. <laughs> He's like food. Um, so yeah, that's what's going on. Um, so let's get to the first breakdown. I'm going to break down issue number six as I hold it up for our audio listeners. I'm holding it up. It's got the green, or it's got the green goblin. It's got the hobgoblin holding a spider girl. All right. It's on 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 the uh, front of the cover. It says whatever happened to the daughter of Spider-Man part six. The name of the issue is or the title of the issue is actually the hobgoblin and the hostage written by Tom DeFalco drawn by so, uh, broad friends and inked, finished by Salvi Sema. Our issue opens with a full splash page of the Hobgoblin smashing his way into Dickens' den, and Mayday is doing her usual narration. She throws a, and he throws a bomb on Spider Girl, but May decides to take a step or two back and tell the story from the beginning. May is kind of tapping away at her computer when her dad busts in and demands an answer to the reports that Spider Girl is running around at a comic book store. She quickly explains the situation, and of course, at that point, his tone changes. Uh, but MJ pulls her aside, discussing the situation from a couple issues ago, where she obviously gave the costume to Mayday to help um, in the, at school. So, but she's—they've uh, been keeping this a secret from Peter, and so um, May suggests a family meeting, and MJ ag agrees with it. So she's walking along with her floating heads of guilt of 
black tarantula kingpin and hobby kind of going over the fact that she's that she is in possession of the disc and uh meanwhile at the police station draco is trying to convince miss carlo to turn things over but she doesn't have the disc she gave it to spider girl and uh he then informs um kingsley uh about and kind of updates him uh he wants uh kingsley wants draco to keep an eye on her meanwhile heather tells may the next day to plan to dress as spider girl for for, for Jimmy, they get to her locker. The, oh, the plan to dress as Spider Girl for Jimmy. Uh, they get to her locker, and we have the Quitter painted across it again. Jean shows up and does his usual "I am man, I protect you, may I will avenge your honor" stick. Um, and he doesn't really know how to react. <laughs> Heather seems amused by it, but understands that she has a good with Jimmy. Felicity shows up and makes fun of her brother's antics, and she's excited for the recent developments with May dropping out of the election. And uh, she's thinking that, oh, if you're dropping out of the election, does that mean you're back, you know, more or less in the hero biz? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And, of course, offers her help if she needs it. Uh, meanwhile, we cut to South America, where Black Tarantula is getting an update from Chesbro, and he dismisses the disc because once... He was informed that Spider-Girl has it. He doesn't want to provoke Spider-Girl. So back in Queens, May and Felicity are trying to crack this disc unsuccessfully. And she thinks that maybe she should turn it over to the Fantastic Five or the Avengers. She leaves and is confronted by DeVita because, well, she kind of needs to be confronted because obviously this was a blind side from last issue. And uh, a mob of people, not really... I, I wrote mob, but a group of uh, fellow students will show up and kind of save me because they're like, yeah, you know, you did a great, it was a good thing. We're, we're supporting you, Davida, and Davida is trying to handle the situation and May uses the distraction to be able to kind of slink off. <laughs> Davida wanted to talk to May one-on-one, obviously, but May has been kind of avoiding Davida, so that's, that's uh, what's going on there. And, um, so we get to Dinkin's Den, and Heather's about to finish uh, putting on the wig and the and the and the uh, I guess the glasses on the outfit before the store opens. May considers coming clean to the gang uh, when they get to the store. She's talking about, well, maybe if I tell Courtney, but if I tell Courtney, do I have to tell the entire gang? So it's she's kind of like processing it through her brain. Okay, if she tells one, does she? If she tells Davida, does she have to tell Courtney? Does she have to tell the rest of the gang? So, um, Heather begins to play her role with all of the past issues as a fun Easter egg of the of the MC2 behind her in the little rack. Uh, just as the moment is, uh, I don't know why, be, just at, at the moment that everything's being opened, I don't know why I put is enjoyed, May's spider sense goes off and we are back to the beginning of the issue. May knows that she can't sit on the sidelines and she makes a bolt. She changes quickly. Heather tells Roddy that she's, of course, not the real Spider-Girl. But uh, he knows this, because she is merely bait. May shows up, and the fight begins to ensue. She runs out of webbing and starts to hide to regroup, uh, ducking and dodging uh, Roddy's attacks. Then she uses her stingers to hit Hobgoblin in the hand, causing him to drop Heather. After a very obvious Superman joke... (laughs) Uh, May is dodging the blast, weaving in and out, telling Hobby that she smashed the disc, trying hard, uh, and she's trying hard to come in for the landing. Heather is so confused as to, you know, where are the webs? You're the web spinner, after all. And 
Uh, when she does this, Heather shifts her weight, and it causes May to roll her ankle. May tries to kind of regroup, but uh, suddenly, as Hobby is coming down, he's like, look, you, you, you better not have destroyed this disc. And uh, he's suddenly hit with some bullets. You see, earlier, um, Black Tarantula had said that maybe he needs to send a message to Hobgoblin, and so uh, Hobby guesses that it's Black Tarantula saying that he that uh, Spider Girl has a guardian angel, and of course, this message has been pretty well received. Uh, av- well, not so well received for Hot- for Roddy. Afterwards, West uh, and and May are talking, and Wes kind of laments that he never thought of the real Spider-Girl in the making of the comic, and he's trying to relate with her now, and he's trying to understand what she's going through, and he he lives in his dad's shadow, and he can't imagine how she is trying to be a hero and still live up to her dad's legacy. Um, May kisses him on the cheek, and leaves, telling her that the the kiss... He just needs to act like the kiss was from Spider-Girl. And uh, May then decides to drop the disc off with Draco. And she heads home. When Jean begins to call. And she doesn't answer. She ignores this and heads home. May has a confession to make. She comes clean with her parents. Uh, she'll be Spider-Girl. Whether she it's when she turns 18 or whenever. She feels like she was born to be Spider-Girl. She decides to leave and get some air. And smiles. She's the daughter of Spider- Spider-Man, and today is the first day of the rest of her life. In the letters page, I shout out, uh, we shout out to Jeffers, uh, a former guest on the program, uh, Michael Jung, um, Sean Foley, and James Malone. Kelly, your thoughts on this issue? Yes, so, I mean, to me, this is, even though this is a part six of what happened to the daughter of Spider-Man, this really feels more kind of a closing of the the little one-shot parts. Um, I really enjoy, um, I really enjoy how, like, because I and this ties into next episode is or next issue as well. But all of May's friends seem very um, just they're very protective of Spider-Girl. Like they really do appreciate her time and kind of put themselves in her shoes a lot, which is good because it shows that, you know, May's friend group, you know, are, are very caring young people, um, especially Wes in his scene here. Um, but yeah, I mean, ultimately this is just a great one shot. It's a lot of fun. Like, I just, I love that it's set in a comic book store and, you know, you've got your cosplayers uh, when that was in vogue to uh, have a, you know, uh, the character be there at comic signings and stuff like that at comic book shops. So it, it, you know, it's a nice little throwback of that kind of time and just the fun of stuff like that. And then of course, in general, just it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, May really does show, you know, just how capable she really is. Cause you know, she's kind of running around messing with Hobgoblin with her hands tied behind her back without her web shooters mm-hmm. um, or without web fluid rather. Uh, so, you know, it's, 
like I said, it's it's a really good solid issue. It's a lot of fun, and ultimately, I think the to me, my biggest takeaway from the issue is the scene at the end where she comes clean because she's there's a resolve. She knows what she wants. She knows who she is. Something that you know we just spent a hundred and six issues of her kind of learning that and it's like this is something that she has decided this is her this is a part of her whether whether even she likes it or not this is a part of her although i think she loves it but you know what i mean like it's just it's an innate need she's going to do it Mm -hmm. if she has to wait she'll wait but she's going to and which is a grounds herself um but it's it's a it's very it's very mature for her age and it definitely shows a lot of responsibility and a lot of uh, honestly accountability you know uh, her mom did give her the costume so it's not like you know in this situation she was really even though she did kind of run behind their backs it's it's not in this situation it's not like she's sitting here saying like i've you know completely disobeyed you guys but you know i know that that we should have talked about this and i didn't but the reason why is because i i have to do this mm-hmm. and I, I it's it's very much when you when you go back and think to the first volume of how may was hiding things yeah from her parents and it, you can see the character growth here in that she's willing to come clean um it's it's more it's before she was grappling with it and she didn't understand why she had really become such an accomplished liar because she was trying her best to prove herself and she didn't want her parents swooping in or you know mm-hmm. she didn't want she didn't want people to prevent her from showing you know basically being able to show who she is and figure that out and here like obviously like we're still going to be dealing with some of these things and these themes because she's a teenager this is kind of like the real start of like no she knows who she is she knows what she's been through and she knows what she she knows what she must do because with great power there must also come great responsibility mm-hmm. and here she is taking responsibility she's she is holding herself accountable and that shows, like you said, it shows a lot of growth and a lot of maturity. Um, you know, it it is just, it's great. Um, it's, it's, it's something that when you get to have long form storytelling, you get to see, mm-hmm. especially, it may, I really appreciate it reading it now, having gone through the entire first volume of everything and, and like, that's one of the things that um, uh, I really, really enjoy about this run is that it's like we get to this point. And I'm like, oh yeah, and it it just it, things hit differently for me reading it now. Um, mm-hmm. That it uh, uh, that I'm getting to like reread it, and my perspective has changed um, from my notes that I apparently did not finish. I don't know why. Uh, I say, man, Jean's a creep. <laughs> Is um, the- yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, okay. So, the re- here's the thing, though. Like, what he says is creepy. Like, just taking it out of complete context. I think I wrote in on this 
in my notes just like it it is very cringe it is full of cringe and is very like red flaggy but we also know what what is coming down the line right fully show that the whole i don't know i guess like honestly spoiler because this has been a few years ago but um because i don't know how else to describe just like being able to reread it after knowing and just like how actually icky it is is basically spoiler alert gene is the one that wrote quitter on her locker and was writing the graffiti yeah um so he did this and then made this show and let's be fair here why does he keep doing these show things of like showing hey i i want to protect you i I, i'm the one that really appreciates you I'm the one that, you know, has your back and fully supports you because that's what good boyfriends do because he wants her to fawn. He wants May to be fawning over him 100% of the time. And that's not a real relationship. And I can understand teenage boys thinking that might be it. But the thing is, is that's also a major red flag and a major sign of an abusive person because they're trying to get you under their thumb so they can control you and while obviously you know even may feels creeped out by it but she's also very flattered because she is not she's not fully aware of this um i think Mm -hmm. even is it this issue or next issue where she's talking and we um it's like she she's a talking about how, you know, people, oh, it's, it is this issue where nobody understands her friends, you know, kind of hate her, hate, hate him. Um, but you know, they don't really know the real him. And I'm just like reading that I think was reading. That was the cringiest thing at the whole issue that bugged me, but it bugged me because I've been there. <laughs> I think, you know, I think especially young love, everyone's been there. You oh yeah. You don't want to see. Trust me. (laughs) Yeah, you don't want to see the bad things, and that's the issue. And I, but it was like just having her do that. It's like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. You're supposed to be stronger. You're supposed to be better. But you know, I think I think we've we've discussed this too. It's like, I mean, I don't know how many times I feel like I'm a total failure we see on these, you know, in these issues where May struggles with that 100% of the time, it's just, it's not always, you know, you can't always be the badass to yourself or on the outside. Things don't always, things are never static. Life is dynamic. Your your feelings, your self-confidence, your, your life, you know, things that are growing on in your life affect how you feel and the thing, you know, and how you learn and grow. Mm-hmm. And it's never, you're never always going to be so sure of yourself. And this is kind of one of those situations this is a lesson she has to learn. Um, we can't protect her from it. Just like, you know, rereading this after having age on me. Cause I, you know, when I first read this, I, I, I didn't notice that. Like, I, I didn't clock this. I thought this was normal, you know? And, of course, I didn't know what Gene really did. Right, because if you're reading this as it's coming up, you're like, oh, Gene's kind of being a little dramatic. Well, 
Well, then, you, you say that, but, you know, so like in the comments, we have um, Jared saying, you know, chick flicks lied to us. I wouldn't even call it a chick flick because even the romantic, com like the little like raunchy romantic comedies, like look. look oh, yeah. Like, like the 90s teen comedies and yeah, stuff. Like that. Yeah, we we just that was something that like we we were taught was OK. Oh, they're being possessive because they care for us. Oh, they're bullying us because they have feelings for us and that's why they're teasing us i mean we learned that in the play yard and that's bs too and right. it's this these behaviors that like are very antiquated and not appropriate and generally aren't what what we know as a respectful healthy relationship now but right. these are also things that us as adults have all learned and unfortunately learned the hard way most of us do learn this the hard way because the heart wants what it wants and if it can like rearrange and bend to uh make a idea of somebody fit it will but that's the idea of somebody and that's not necessarily who they yeah are. and Trust me, you know, we could we could go we could do a whole psychoanalysis. I'm sure on Gene all day long for over. Oh yeah, oh yeah, totally. But Ryan brings up a really good point in the comments. He says it's funny you look at Gene and, and Felicity, and they heard not only complete opposites; they both took the bad traits of, from of their parents, which okay. is true. Um, I, I was going to bring it up earlier, talking about how how he's possessive and stuff like that. Gene feels like. He wants May to be what Flash, what Liz and Flash were in the in the in the sixties. You know, yeah. there was possessiveness with with Liz and and Flash, and 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 that's just his. The, that's one of his. That is one of his character flaws. Uh, you know, that and being a bully, and so, um, you know, it, it's it's interesting to see how that that trait has been passed down. Um, it's, it's a, it's definitely, yeah. I mean, we could kind of go in and like wax on wax off about what, what could be, or what would have been a cool idea to go, you know, to a story to go down to explore that more. Cause you know, we've said that multiple times right that we would love to have seen like, why, why did Felicity and Jean wind up so, um, so in need of some counseling? Uh, <laughs> right. but, you know that's it, it it is what it is that's that's the thing and the thing is is that actually us thinking about that shows how real these characters really feel they're exactly dimensional they're not perfect you know just like flash wasn't you know flash kind of was also three-dimensional like early the early writing these are supposed to feel like people you know and they're, no one's going to be perfect. No one's a static 2D character or a caricature of somebody. Mm -hmm. uh, even though these are fictional characters, they have flaws and things that they have to go through. And like Jean, sure, we would hope Flash would have taught Jean better. And I'm sure he has. And I think that that's the thing is that like Jean has to get his own head out of his butt and he has to grow and learn and there's lessons he has to learn that he hasn't learned yet but the thing is is just like you know we're seeing the story from may's point of view and may is our lead 
And at this point, all of us are very, you know, especially rereading it after all these years, we, you know, we love her. We want to protect her because we know what's going to happen and rereading it and seeing, you know, oh, wow, this is, this was not great. This could have, you know, for me, it's like, I look at it and I go, oh God, this, this could have it in the wrong hands. This would have gotten very, uh, after school special very fast <laughs> yeah um so thankfully things are kept a little bit more kid friendly and so but it's still it's still a lesson you know we're gonna learn and it's young love is not what it what we remember it to be uh i think that that's really the key here yeah exactly right it's exactly right. So yeah. So, um, I was going to double check because I have my, uh, I forgot to put the <laughs> cover date. Uh, this was cover dated uh, May two thousand seven. On sale date was March fourteenth of two thousand seven. So, uh, all right, that leads us to our next uh, issue that we're going to cover, which is uh, issue number seven, which yes. I, I don't have. <laughs> I can't believe you don't have it, but I will do my best to uh, describe it as best as possible. So maybe you can kind of give some some uh, on the cuff new uh, feelings on it. Uh, but info is cover date June 2007. It was on sale April 11th, 2007. The cover price was $2.99. Uh, the Falco Friends, Bushema Sharp, colorist is Gotham Studios, and the title is called Revenge. The uh, breakdown is a lady hawk crashes into the leaky bucket, a tavern in Brooklyn. She's looking for Tony, magic fingers Morello. She finds him and makes a quip that a woman must have not given him that nickname. And I forgot that was in there. So good one. Uh, and she is planning to shake magic fingers down until he tells her where the hobgoblin is. We cut to the Parker residence in Forest Hills where things are eerily quiet this morning. Everyone is careful not to talk about the elephant that is in the living room, AKA the suit. And it sits in a panel on a chair, literally looking like it has come to life and is just waiting. It is awesome. I love that panel. Um, but everyone is very careful not to talk about what may truth bombed on her parents than night before aka the last issue peter gets up to leave for work and advises he'll talk to her when he gets home but he is very disappointed in may when peter lee leaves mj tells may she does understand where may is coming from on this explaining that her fear for may is different than it is slash was for peter she knew who he was from the start and accepted that but may is her little girl may is her baby uh, may walks to the door getting ready to leave for school when she sees that the lady hawks are calling her so she slips her suit in her bag and heads out she puts on her suit and heads to the warehouse the lady hawks uses a base and she meets regina one of the lady hawks who is in a wheelchair the last time we saw her was when she was badly injured by the hobgoblin and i wrote in spider girl 99 slash 100 i want to say most of the last time we saw her was 99. Um, but I didn't 
Unfortunately, I did not double check like I promised I'd do. So sorry, guys. Uh, but Regina tells Spider-Girl that Rosetta, her sister, aka the other Lady Hawk, has gone off on her own vengeance mission. Determined to hunt down the Hobgoblin and make him pay for what he's done to Regina, Regina pleads with Spider-Girl to help her find her sister and get her get her to stop this crazy, you know, like kamikaze mission before she suffers the same fate as her or worse. At Midtown South uh, Precinct, Drasco is staring intently at the disc Spider-Girl gave him about what bombshells might lie on the payroll documents. When Hobgoblin calls him, he has another task to handle to basically be on call with a meetup uh, with... I, I, I don't know, something happened here, but when a Harlem mob in the ha Harlem Rackets go south. At Midtown High, everyone is clamoring the boys, Jimmy and Wes, for a Spider-Girl comic after what happened the day before. Heather comes by to talk to May and mentions how sorry she feels for Spider-Girl's family because even though Spider-Girl did save her, you know, and it was extremely dangerous and scary, Heather just can't imagine what kind of stress that kind of life can cause. Um, way to really jab that in, Heather. Great. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, also good on Heather. This is also very good character growth for Heather because she cares about other people. So, you know. Meanwhile, Hobby talks about trust or lack thereof with his twin brother while in East Heart. Well, what? Well, he, he talks about it with his brother in their underground bunker, which is a sewer in New York. I just want to throw that out there. Uh, while in East Harlem, a similar discussion is happening with the racket boss. So back at Midtown High, May and Wes start to have a chat. But before any serious conversation can start, uh, in comes Gene being really possessive, almost like he was eavesdropping on the whole conversation, which is creepy. Again, just throwing that out there. But all right, uh, Wes walks back from that with an awesome saying, saying that he, you know, shoot, what was it? The, uh, the like, didn't mean, didn't mean to harm Tokyo. It's a Godzilla thing. And as we know, yeah, it's, yeah. It's <laughs> yeah he didn't Wait. ease off Godzilla. I didn't mean to harm Tokyo. Yes, there we go. So, uh, G so Wes walks back from that and Gene rains the love bombing super super hard with sorry i overreacted i just need to protect you since you're my girlfriend all right uh and asked may to meet at the coffee shop may agrees in her own words uh th this is what i was talking about earlier in her own words may is still basking in the the glow of gene's unconditional support which newsflash may it's not con it's not unconditional um, and she sails through her afternoon classes. May even thinks about how most of her friends are wrong about Jean and just can't see that he really cares for her. And I can't help but cringe because those are some of the some of the famous last words when it comes to teenage love right there. And just like having a not so healthy relationship, it's cringe as we talked about. And I literally wrote, I'll rant about it later. But you know what? I ran it about it before we talked about it. <laughs> Sorry, y'all. Um, but Spider-Girl is heading to the apartment of one Daniel Kingsley, a.k.a. 
Roderick's uh, twin brother. So Daniel, who moved, like I said, into the sewers with his brother, isn't there. And May thinks he skipped town. Uh, but as Spider-Girl approaches the apartment, her spider sense goes off. Thankfully, it's not really putting out any kind of sense of urgency because we know her spider sense is works a little differently than Peter's. And so she kind of has a feeling she knows what she's going to walk into. And of course, when she does walk, crawl in, she finds Rosetta. They spar a bit as superheroes do. And they talk uh, as disagreeing superheroes do. And Rosetta starts unloading all about her own guilt and why she needs to avenge her sister, Regina. She's the one who convinced her to be a superhero, to go out and fight crime side by side. And she promised to protect her and she failed. She owes this to her sister. May understands 100% and offers her help instead of, you know, just finding a way to make Rosetta back off. They start talking about how Daniel's apartment has been picked clean and how Rosetta has no other leads. May makes a call to Drasco and he tells them exactly where the hobgoblin is going to be. A little too happy about that, if I do say so. Uh, May tells Rosetta that Hobby is meeting a gang boss in Harlem, someone named Morgan. Someone Rosetta seems to know. Later in East Harlem, Rosetta comes in ready for the goons with her throwing discs, knocking guns out of hands. Since Rosetta seems to get a bit too into the fight, Spider-Girl jumps in reminding Rosetta to work with her as a teammate and not just go in on her own. But as the goons get worried for their boss, Morgan seems very cool and collected and advises that this is a visit long time coming. Morgan calmly reminds his goons that they haven't done anything wrong and shouldn't be acting so adversarially to the girls. They should remember their manners. Morgan mentions to Lady Hawk that her outfit reminds him of a fallen hero, Falcon, and she responds that she, you know, she does believe that Morgan has more than a passing acquaintance with him, which seems to bug Morgan a bit, but he keeps his cool demeanor when he lies to Spider-Girl and about not being contacted by Hobgoblin. He asks why they are so concerned with the Hobgoblin and Rosetta tells him that the Hobgoblin crippled her sister. This shocks Morgan. And, some, and then we cut to some time later in the Bronx where Rosetta and May are waiting for the Hobgoblin to show. May is starting to piece together that the Lady Hawks have some con connection with Morgan's gang as Rosetta starts really just shutting down on being on answering these questions um, when it's coming to talk about her parents, um, you know, and basically that, you know, they don't have their dad, their mom passed away. So all she has left is her sister. And May makes mention who might take care of Regina if Rosetta gets hurt or worse. And also, why isn't the Hobgoblin there yet? bringing this down. All right. So, but you know, obviously that's because Morgan gave them the wrong address in the Hudson river warehouse district, Morgan and Hobgoblin meet up only for Morgan to surround Hobgoblin with his army of goons advising that normally Morgan is open to anyone or anything that could help his profit margin. He's even lost his wife and kids because of it, but he's making an exception not to work with the Hobgoblin in light of recent personal news. Drasco is wondering why Spider-Girl isn't calling him back for the deets of the meetup when he hears gunshots. He calls the station asking for backup, 
but he's hoping they won't get there too quickly. Back in the Bronx, the girls start to realize that they were either, either misled or Hobgoblin isn't showing. And Rosetta tells Spider-Girl that she has bigger responsibilities than just being there for her sister. The world needs heroes like her, and she has an obligation to protect the innocent from the likes of people like the Hobgoblin. She can't let her sister come between her and the job that she loves, no matter what pain that causes. She swings off into the night as Spider-Girl contemplates this message, a similar message she spoke to her parents yesterday. In the sewers, a tattered hobby comes back to his lair, to his worried twin brother, and they wonder why Morgan changed his mind on the Alliance. In Morgan's office, we see him looking at a photo of his family, a woman and two twin girls. May comes in after her long day and hands her, mount, hands her mother her costume. She tells Mary Jane she does understand everything her parents have been going through and having, you know, with her having to wear the webs, and she goes upstairs to practice being grounded. The end. Well, this was my first time reading this one. <laughs> um, I don't know how I missed this because at the time I was getting a regular subscription. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm at a loss for words for you, but you know. I, uh, yeah, like I literally was like, I, I literally got to like, I got to the letters page and I'm like, I don't remember this cover. It's an unused cover. And I'm like. And then I'm looking through my box and I'm like, I don't remember this book. And then I'm reading the book on Marvel Unlimited and I'm like, I don't remember this book. I don't think I've read this book before. So I got to, you get to hear my fresh perspective on it. Um, this also explains why I did not understand what you were saying back in when the Lady Socks first appeared. I'm so sorry. Like, I know it makes more sense now because I'm like, I know, I, oh, I've read that issue. Yeah, I've read that issue. No, I have not. <laughs> and i didn't realize it and so um this is a really really good solid one and done issue i think wasn't issue seven that they first appeared i i have to go look i'll have to look too uh but it may i think so somewhere around there like i mean they, they appear very early on mm. and the thing is is you know we don't really get to know them yeah until <clears throat> this issue uh, but once you know their story and you know what's going on, you know, it's, you want to know more. Like I almost, you know, when we were talking about like, oh, who would the whole write-in on the miniseries, like I would have loved to have gotten a miniseries with the Lady Hawks. Right. But, the, but I will say this, thinking about it, it's like, would we have gotten the same story had this like had a mini series written in what 1999 I don't, I, don't, I don't know you know what i mean like i don't know how far back these characters were thought out like that so i am i just i really enjoyed this story um i really enjoyed seeing the other aspect of basically the same problem with may like yeah may would do this for her parents you know if something happened to them may would do this for her brother you know they themes that uh keep haunting us um <laughs> um but you know on, on things on things we wish could have been if only if only um research had been done but 
sorry. Uh, anyway, uh, the thing is, is that like, it's a really good story. Like, you know, May understands this well. She understands Rosetta. And there is a camaraderie, there is a friendship built on this mutual understanding of, you know, they are going to fight the good fight until the until the very bitter end if they have to. And it's just it's I think it's it's a really it's a really touching story. Um for me, I'm gonna go back in my notes. Like I said, I wrote these like a whole week ago, so I'm just like, eh. Um, but you know, it's I, I just they're the Lady Hawks are awesome. Um yeah, I think the most the rest of my notes were really just about how we're seeing actual lasting concept because this is kind of the first time that there is a lasting consequence in mm-hmm. their team, like in their this little friendship group in the Warriors, uh, in the MC two. This is the first lasting, really like serious consequence that we are seeing for being a crime fighter, and it's something that you know before this we really it's been minor. You know, we, had, we did have Courtney in the hospital forever, but she got better. Right, Regina's right. Regina's not getting better. And, you know, she has, Regina has to kind of change uh, her tactics on helping. And she does, because she sort of becomes like her sister's oracle. Um, but it, Her girl in the chair. Yeah, her girl in the chair. Although that feels a little insensitive saying it like that. Oh, wow. I didn't even think about how insensitive yeah. that would sound. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, no harm, no harm, no, no foul. But uh, yeah, no, like, and that's what I'm like. The thing is, is that it's, it, this is kind of like, we're seeing it just like May is seeing it. Mm-hmm. Like she understood it, but she, I don't think has really come super face to face with it. And now here's somebody she knows, someone she's worked with, someone I think I think may pretty much trust that now can't do what we knew she was supposed to, she was supposed to do. You know, she, she can't do what these girls all have a shared feeling about because that is a actual thing that can happen in you know in this line of work. And that's one reason why when we first start with, with MJ saying like, look, you know, you're, I understood the consequence, you know, I understood what could happen, but you're, you're my baby. Like you're, um, which I'm sure you, you have a better perspective on, but like, that's the thing is it, I don't know if may fully like may understood it, but she didn't really, grasp the I think the severity and of course too these are things that are like they're lightly touched on it's not like this is like super hitting home on her because May's first thing is I'm gonna help the Lady Hawks they've always helped me I have to be there for them and we get to see their story yeah no I I completely agree it's one of those things where it's very human Mm-hmm. her reaction and her anger and you know to get this depth and uh Vinkman does mention the lady hawks first appeared in issue six okay. of the first okay. one so it's been 101 issues yeah. um since their first appearance and and to me they've been you know a constant 
uh, bit. And, you know, they joined the Warriors and they, they fought alongside, you know, in the, all these world-ending events. And you're right. Um, the one thing about the MC2 is that <clears throat> it's very, there is some Archie elements where it seems like there were certain things that didn't, you know, um, didn't have consequences. And then we get to the end of volume one and there's definite massive consequences. And when I say that, I'm talking about the spider girl section. Obviously we saw consequences of things like with a next and fantastic five and things like that. But like uh, with Mayday's world, you're right. There wasn't a ton of lasting consequences and certainly Regina's uh, injuries are, are it, it's definitely a turning point in yeah. his superhero career. I, mean, I think, I think too, like, I mean, things get a little bit more mature mm -hmm. at this point. And I want to say that as like, things aren't going dark, but the thing is, is as May is growing up, the audience is seeing that kind of little tick by, um, you know, exactly. that's, that's a part, I mean, to me, that's one of the beauties of early Spider-Man as well, because it's mm -hmm. a very similar, similar, it, uh, I guess, storytelling thing. It's like, as the character is growing, so does the story, so does the world building, uh, and so does the little changes um, over time. Because this is something that, like, I don't know if this would have flown in early Spider-Girl. I don't think that it would have hit that mark but at this no. point you know it at this point it was almost inevitable we needed we needed to understand like the thing is is like yeah hobgoblin is dangerous but just to make sure like you are fully understanding just because may can handle him doesn't mean he is not still a dangerous villain yeah, I'll say this. Hobby, um, my love, I didn't read the stuff in the 80s until after this, you know, after this. Um, so my feelings and thoughts on, on Roddy <clears throat> certainly are influenced by Goblins at the Gate, but a lot of it is this and how Tom and, and Ron handle Roddy. Uh, as as the hobgoblin, and I think that for the longest time, this was the most fleshed out that we got with Roderick, because you know they brought him back, or they they revealed him as the hobgoblin, and then they kind of put him off, you know, to Belize, and then we don't see him until literally in the six one six. We don't see him until um, uh, the big time arc. Yeah, where it was Daniel revealed to be Daniel later on, yeah. but. Uh, yeah, no. I mean, the, to me, this is such a continuation of Roderick's story from that time point, from the 80s. And that's the thing, though, is it's like, sure, you might think, an, not elderly, but a, an older um, person might not be so dangerous, so deadly. Mm -hmm. But Hobgoblin is. like, And this isn't child's play this isn't a game this isn't just something they can do after school mm -hmm. it's a very serious you know task she's taking on yeah this, these are the things we're seeing of just like 
we've gone through her learning how to do this and knowing learning that she can do this she really really can be her own you know she can be her the hero and she can stand on her own two feet and she doesn't have to be behind her her father's shadow but she's now like really grasping the thing is is she can you know she, she learned it in especially towards the end when she did almost die but you know seeing it around her friends friend group as well i think is a different hit yeah no um and i'll say this spiders need goblins and roddy becomes what if norman never went it's never personal with roddy too that's the thing it doesn't have the personal nature of the green goblin and spider-man the way that that relationship is yeah but it's definitely business and may is getting a crash course on the superhero biz yeah and that's definitely something that's definitely felt throughout this entire volume um but if we want to move on we can uh do you have any more thoughts on on seven i i don't think so i think i've said it other than i can't believe you had to just now read it uh because it's great and now you, now you see what I mean? I wasn't just making shit up. Like You're not JR. Uh, don't <laughs> love you, JR, but <laughs> uh, friend of the network. Uh, yeah, no, I you know, I, I I do actually know some things. I, I did actually read these issues. Um times. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we are getting to uh, our last issue of the night uh, it is issue number 8 uh, Mary Jane's Daughter, Amazing Spider Girl you got Mary Jane on the cover I'm holding it up for our audio listeners and uh, she says the blurb has no one hurts my little girl and May is like stop it mom you're embarrassing me um, something that I will definitely be hearing in the very few short years uh, <laughs> myself so uh this was released uh cover date of july 2007 released on may 9th 2007 uh right around the time of spider-man 3 so <clears throat> our issue opens with a typical morning in the household with mj and may talking as the latter gets ready for school there's some tension of course this tension is a holdover from the last couple of issues but unlike every other issue seemingly this issue is not from the perspective of of, 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 it's not from the perspective of Mayday. It's from the perspective of Mary Jane. She explains to herself that she was relieved that May stopped being Spider-Girl when she stuffed the costume in the closet, which is the name of the issue. The Closet. We learned that the May, that the day uh, started with May's spider sense going off at school when she is around a student named Sarah Hingle. Uh, when she got near her, she has this migraine and just dismisses it, says, oh, it's, it's nothing. But her sp May spider sense is never wrong. And then Sarah starts to exhibit powers. May has everyone evacuate. Everyone's freaking out while May stays behind and tries to help. Jean is concerned, of course, and freaking out. Speaking of freaking out, we have Sarah, who has heard the cries of beauty and freak, and says she, she will never be fine again, attacking May. 
a while later, MJ is <clears throat> taking May out of school, and uh, obviously the events of school means that school got canceled. Um, <clears throat> and Mr. Slattery remarks that uh, what May did was very heroic. She was able to evacuate most of the people, and and a while later, MJ is taking. Um, MJ wants to know what happened to Sarah. Uh, because Sarah was tutored by May during uh, May's sabbatical as a superhero during the summer. And uh, she is told by Slattery that Sarah has options, uh, mainly to stay and continue her studies at Midtown or go to the X-People, Xavier Institute of, <coughs> of Mutants. Uh, the parents, of course, have been bombarding him. They're concerned about um, the situation, calling her an aberration of nature, quote-unquote, um, MJ is, of course, utterly horrified by this. Uh, but uh, but they leave his office. Cor as they leave his uh, as they leave his office, Courtney and Davida are lo obviously looking to check up on May. Uh, Davida wonders if she was attacked, while May assures them that uh, Sarah didn't know what she was doing. Heather and Courtney uh, lament the situation, and Gene rears his ugly head as a bigot, while Davida jumps to defend the what may was saying gene focuses on may um but she's going to go but may wants to go check on sarah gene would join them but flash wants him to get checked out yeah mm -hmm. uh of course may can't go see her because she's in a medical facility where they're keeping her kind of sort of uh, sedated and she laments to her dad peter has experiences with this and wants to talk with mj about uh who's uh who is, uh, but, but MJ wants to talk to Sarah's parents and of course may and, uh, may and MJ decide to head over together. May hands Benji off to ben Benji, who has been having trouble burping with MJ earlier in the morning. Of course he finally burps. So, um, had a baby that has not burped. It's, it's, it's terrible. Um, meanwhile, at Sarah's house, the parents, her parents are struggling to get their head around the entire situation. Sarah's dad, Dwayne, is really angry over everything and calling his daughter a freak. And um, May starts to kind of get tears in her eyes and they start to head home. MJ reflects on things and Peter plays a little bit of devil's advocate. Peter mentions that, the, that part of this conversation is starting to sound a little more familiar as, you know, the fears that they're having being a parent and, and May's using her powers. She says that nothing is the same. And then she sees the figure that stalks the closet, that figure being the manifestation of her fears of the costume. <clears throat> After a ultimate fantastic four pullout ad with an ad for the first transformers film, we catch up at midtown high where Jean is trying to smooth things over with May. He apologizes for his behavior, citing uh, he was in shock over the entire situation, which, okay, fair, given that he hasn't been in Midtown all that long, so May is quick to forgive and lets him know of her plans, and maybe he's, you know, maybe he can sit there and redeem himself, right? Of course, he uses this as a means to weasel his way out of it, uh, giving May uh, a peck on the cheek, saying, oh, we'll catch up later after you get done with everything. So, um... One of the things that May was trying to do, she's got to go meet up with a lab partner for for science, and um, later we see MJ uh, pacing on the floor while uh, Peter and MJ are asleep. At the hospital, we see that Sarah is alone, 
and she starts to exhibit her powers. She's starting to freak out. She wants to get out of here. She wants her her old life back. MJ has decided that she's going to head over, while May has also finished her science project with her lab partner, and she's headed home herself. Then she bumps into Sarah. Cindy, her mom, is trying to get MJ to talk sense to her husband, uh, but he's been talking with Slattery, who is trying to talk to the parents and to determine the best course of action. But Dwayne has made his mind up. He is sending her upstate, and that's final. He's, of course, really incredibly rude to MJ, because obviously MJ made known you know, what she thought earlier. Um, so May is trying to talk to Sarah at the same time, because this is like the top panels are of the situation with Mary Jane, the bottom panels are the situation with Mayday, uh, and a really uh, nicely laid out sequence, by the way. Um, my just my describing it does not do it justice. Um, so uh, May is, you know, trying to talk to Sarah, but Sarah claims that she's cured and she just wants to go home. But of course, this starts to backfire because May is just trying to get her to stop and let her and listen to what may has to say. And it starts to backfire. She's determined, but Sarah is determined to get home. Dwayne is not having things and he's getting increasingly angrier at the situation. While Cindy is trying to show that MJ is here to help. Literally nobody wants to look them in the eye. She's the only one that is actually here to try to talk to them and actually treat them like with respect. And it's been a very hard and difficult situation. Um, May is trying to talk sense to Sarah, but it's gotten to the point where she has to reveal herself to her to get her to calm down. And and that's what she does. Meanwhile, MJ is making a point that being a parent is hard to to do. It's not about coping. It's about supporting. The kids are going to stumble and fall, and that's okay. You have to let them. With great power comes great responsibility. As this is happening, May is consoling Sarah, real, Sarah realizing that she is truly not alone. She's not a freak. And, of course, everything starts to click in Sarah's head why she quit student council and the basketball team. She wants to know if she's able to have that normal life. And May consoles her. Cindy begs Dwayne to not let his anger take their baby away. MJ and Slattery leave when May shows up with Sarah and helps reunite them. Dwayne is still not convinced. Well, MJ remarks that happy endings can sometimes take time. After an ad for the post House of M world, ironically, we turn to our letters page, despite not finishing the story. Shout out to uh, James, uh, Sars, and Brian. Uh, they wrote letters there. Slattery is impressed with MJ and offers her a job at the school as a guidance counselor. May kind of offhandedly remarks how chummy they are. Maybe he's going to be her new dad. <laughs> but um, May kind of makes a joke about uh, it depends on how he f- how he feels about uh, little kids and being fed chili, which has apparently been an ongoing issue with Peter and Benji. May thanks MJ for having her back with Sarah, but and just having her back in general. But MJ is really not so sure. They get home. And she informs May that her and Peter have come to a decision. She was born to be Spider-Girl. That this ordeal with Sarah has opened her eyes and shown her that. She asks her for forgiveness and then heads up the stairs to, to May, with May in utter disbelief, to go discuss the situation with Benji and Chili. 
All right. So, uh, Kelly, your thoughts on uh, issue number eight on the run. I just finished the rundown. Yes. So, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. Cool. Okay, because I had some weird things with my headset earlier. <laughs> you were doing your rundown, and I had ran off. Uh, so, that was fun. Uh, so, yeah. So, the thing is, is like, I just, I love this issue. Um, yeah, okay. I wrote, okay, and maybe, all right. I'm just going to read what I wrote, because I totally... <laughs> just slightly forgot everything and then i'll talk more about how much i do love this issue because i always i i really enjoy when may is able to help others in this way as Mm -hmm. well as well as uh mj but i was okay so i went okay number one and maybe this is just showing how how like not cool i am but (laughs) jean pants oh yeah yeah so this is this whole rant about this one panel on how Gene is drawn. Now he's drawn great. It's great. It's just a fashion choice. And I know it was of the time, but his pants look like they're like under his butt. <laughs> and it, it just, it bugs me because it's, it looks so, it looks so stupid. <laughs> like, how do you run like that? You don't. Yeah, you don't. You fall. It's it's horrible. Anyway, uh, so I had that, um, and <laughs> that was so bad because uh, this is this is the scene when they all go to visit Sarah in the hospital, and um, it's so funny because it's like one, you should hate him because he's being really bigoted, but two, I hate him entirely different. I hate him because his pants are like halfway around his ankles. Like it's horrible. (laughs) Uh, I just can't stand it. I don't, it's something in me. It's like, I guess I'm not cool, but like, it's just like, you have a belt, put it above your butt. That's all I'm asking. And I know that this is just like the way it was drawn, but it's like, that was also the style at the time. So I don't know if that was intentional or not. And I'm just like, I'm going to, I'm assuming it's intentional because I'm assuming it's to make you hate him. So Anyway, uh, there's that. Um, (laughs) Yeah, so like I said, it wrote like, I was like, it has to be because you, like we are supposed to insta-hate him and not just because he's very insensitive about what happened. See, like this is is the thing I was talking about earlier with Gene. Um, You know, while I do think of Gene, you know, Gene is more of a mess coming from selfishness and true ignorance versus like uh, Brad's, arrogance yes that i, I that. Right, listeners i am i'm showing <laughs> i'm showing his saggy pants <clears throat> anyway um <laughs> just, i hate it anyway um like i said i do think jeans almost like being scared of uh sarah and scared of it is literally more true ignorance and more selfishness because i think he was actually scared for his own life for a second um, and that's where this hatred is coming from. Yeah. You know, I, because my thing is, is like I said, like, I, it's like, there's a very clear track record here without saying so that Felicia and Flash seem to have very, um, they seem to have lacked a lot of parenting. So I wouldn't put it past Gene to be pretty intolerant, especially because again, to go back to Flash in high school there's a lot of arrogance and ignorance there as well um, because he has to learn, but it's just, it, 
I was, yeah, I, I literally wrote, I was like, can the boy please pull up his pants? Cause how can he walk like that? Um, I, I literally, I, like the whole rant is just about this one panel. And unfortunately, this is what y'all are gonna be getting from now on because we have like really beautiful artwork that's really detailed in the background for stuff like that. And I will notice it and I'm going to ring it. <laughs> thank you, thank you, uh, Ron Friends for allowing allowing me to rant about nonsensical things <laughs> in very important issues such as this one. Um, but I, yeah, so for real, uh, I really love the part with MJ and Peter talking before bed. I really enjoy getting to see Mary Jane's side and feelings. Uh, Cause I don't think that that's been super touch like it's touched on we understand it but you know it's something that really kind of drives it home because now we're being put in mary jane's shoes yes and um you know it's i really enjoy them like getting ready for bed together and kind of seeing that domestic side that especially during this time you know was being threatened left and right and then eventually taken away from us um so it was it was good to see it and since you know we had had a solid pete and mj moment in the books in a good while here too it was very very uh it's honestly one of my favorite things out of this book beyond the main story and yeah. also i i'm side-eyeing peter's um P who feeds a baby chili <laughs> oh boy you know he's smart uh but there's things i question in his logic at times and yeah so for real though i i do think that this is a great issue and which we see uh basically we we get to see that you know how may handles things and saves the day but also just how mary jane is a major force to be reckoned with and how her own gumption and attitude helped form May too. Mm -hmm. Because May is May is Mary Jane's daughter. There is no question about it. And this is something that I think sometimes needs to be reminded about who MJ really is, who she is at heart, who yes. is the essence of her character. And this is the perfect issue to show that and show an older MJ that still has all these things. Like, I mean there's a reason I'm writing the word gumption in this. Um, and, you know, it's just MJ saw this opportunity. And even though everyone's turning their back on this girl and her family, Mary Jane's not one of those people. She knows that they need support and that they need help. And she's going to do it regardless of how it looks to others. It's not socially acceptable. That's something I think people forget when they're like, oh, she's the party girl. She's the cool girl. She was doing these things because they brought joy to her life. And honestly, was kind of a mask and hiding herself. But she never did it because they were cool. She did it because it was almost it was it was a it's almost like she was the offbeat cool girl. She was, you know, some people like when they see Zendaya uh, in no way home and they're like oh but she's not a bombshell blah 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 there's an essence of mj in that in the sense of there's a non-conformist <laughs> in mj it, well and, and she's very much makes her who she is mm -hmm. there's also like the chameleon aspect where she kind of sits back and and 
she sits back and reads the room and obviously you know we could go all day long about her backstory and why she would do that and how her upbringing caused that but even yeah. though she might she might play up the all eyes on me i want to be a star i'm going to be a star she's clocked every everything in that room the moment she comes in she probably sweeps it far better than most uh detectives to be honest i mean she's smart and she's aware of her surroundings and she's aware of how people are she, she understands how people feel like yeah. her history and her past has never made her bitter completely completely <laughs> uh you know and that's like this thing here she like i said she knows people need her help and she's going to help them because they're they shouldn't be persecuted for something that is ultimately traumatic and ultimately for Sarah, not something that they ever expected. Like mm -hmm. that's, that's also another thing, like people, you know, like Sarah is scared and you can see that. And, you know, people, when they're scared, they can lash out, especially when they feel like there is no help for them. And they know that they are a pariah because especially like you see the way her dad acts so you can imagine she's probably never really grew up in a very pro mutant household and so for her to wind up being a mutant that's scary that makes her hate herself that makes her very scared of what's going to happen next which i think is a very relatable feeling uh -huh. And it's traumatic and you can tell that in Sarah and you, and that's why like the moment she realizes, wait, May, May is like me. Now, of course, May is not like her, but see, May is not even going to tell her that. No. Cause at oh, the end of the day, it's not about May. It's about Sarah and how she needs to, to handle it. And like the moment she finds somebody that, okay, I can confide in. She literally starts breaking down saying, can we do this? Like, is there hope? And you know, we'll see Sarah later with all these more things. But I just, I, it, it's a, it's a very, once again, a very important issue with a very serious story that needs to be told. Absolutely, we can relate to, especially about growing up. You know, it was ironic that at the time they were getting rid, they were purging the mutants, uh, because they thought that that was what was needed. I mean, um, I, I slightly feel like maybe they should just get cut to about four books. That's, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's, 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 there's times where there's like 20 and I'm oh, a lot. Um, keep up. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I applaud Neil and his ambition to cover books, to, to cover the Krakoa, um, era. Uh, here on the network uh, with books of X, but uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a big commitment. Uh, the X Men is very, you know, just very a uh, you know complicated. Uh, I think is the is the only way of describing it. Um, for me, this issue hits a lot different. Reading it as a thirty five year old as opposed to a twenty or no nineteen year old. Um. I love Mary Jane's characterization here. She is just phenomenal. Um, it's no secret that that Tom and Ron 
can spin a, a Mary Jane story. Uh, I mean, they, they're the ones that brought all the backstory of MJ um, back in the 80s. So for her to be, you know, get a starring role, she has not had a starring role in this title at any point. So getting things from her perspective. No, I mean, okay, she's had a starring role in the sense of she's yeah. May's mother, and to May, she is, yes, she can be annoying, but I mean, May has always held her to a very high <laughs> regard the whole time. So she's a star in that aspect. We've never been able to, we've never seen her thoughts. All right, and to get the spotlight is maybe maybe the better the better term. Um, letting this version of Mary Jane get that spotlight is it was it's refreshing because the the words that she says to Dwayne, you can see that Cindy understands what she's saying. Dwayne is so. The thing is, is in both Dwayne and Sarah's cases. They're both fearful. Mm-hmm. Dwayne, um, because of he's fearful of what's next, in the same way that Sarah is fearful of what's next. And so, you know, whereas the fear that Sarah has is like pure fear, Dwayne's fear manifests itself in his anger. And he is, he just, doesn't understand and and, you know when you have something traumatic happen as a parent and you see this all the time with children um the anger is not necessarily at the child it's at the situation and how um how can this have happened to to us we're 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 good people and, and why is this quote unquote bad thing happening and it, it really is very authentic and real how he's reacting here, even though he's being a complete jerk. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. I've always akin this, you know, of course, now I am a straight cis woman. So, mm-hmm. what go, you know, I, I've never been in these shoes, but I've always akined this particular issue and Sarah's story to, you know, being ho- like homosexual. Like the thing is, is like for Dwayne, he is worried about his daughter, but he's worried about her in the sense of if she doesn't conform, if she can't conform, uh-huh. what is this going to do to her? And therefore, how is this going to reflect on me? Right. And you know, yeah, you know, we can say things that that is, you know, very insensitive and it is, but it also comes from a very, like you said, a very real place. Because the thing is, ultimately, he's worried. He's worried for his daughter. He does love his daughter, but he doesn't. He doesn't understand uh, at at this time to be able to eventually accept her for who she is, and, you know, he's, and he's scared of how the world will accept her. And he's retreating almost inside himself. Versus Cindy is very much like, please, like we have, you know, this is our baby. We have to save her. We have to support her unconditionally. And I think that that this is a real story in that aspect. And that's kind of, I think I'm surprised we actually don't have a lot of our, our newer uh, fan base from Twitter on here. Cause you know, there's a lot of discussion on 
them wishing that they could see certain characters like you know like what they they feel and who they are they want to kind of be able to equate that and this is kind of one of those stories where i think it does equate um but it's not it's not the way you know it's 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 not our main character because that's not who may is but this is to me this is very similar to sarah Mm -hmm. sarah's plight being told but it's being told as a mutant of course always whenever you know in the past with very important x-men stories uh-huh. they have represented the oppressed and yeah. might, like, the minority uh yeah. and so this is i think one of those times and i think that you know when you look at it that way it does hit home in a very real way without really being you know it's not super preachy I think, but it is very much a reminder that people are going, you know, people don't just sit there and just say it to be cool. You know, they're not saying like, there's a lot of negative repercussions that happen when you are different than the, the normal conformity. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of strife and this is kind of showing you that a lot of fear and you know sarah can't help who who she is and what's happening to her but the the thing she does need is love and acceptance so she can you know she can figure out her life with you know she can figure out her life on her own terms and become the best person she can be yeah i i always viewed this issue from the lens of like it being the allegory for racism because i'm thinking you, hmm. Well, too, she's also biracial. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it kind of turns that it, it's a little twisted here. Like it turns, it's turned on its head because her father is black and you, you have a, you know, a biracial home. And I never, it didn't really register with me about the, the plight of, you know, using it as an allegory for homosexuality. And especially in the time period of which this was published, um, because this this is I believe this is a when when were they allowed uh, when were when was same sex marriage allowed two thousand seven huh I thought it was twenty twelve oh twenty twelve so yeah so this is before that mm-hmm. but and this so was coming like like the unions and the same sex marriage and and a lot of the a lot of the it became it was starting to become that hot button issue and that mm-hmm. topic. Uh, so I, I never. I, right, it, this, is before, okay. this is before Obama. Yeah. <laughs> My, it feels it feels longer than it's been. It's been it's been a no. long it's been a long twenty like this year has just been it's been ten years twenty twenty two has been ten years just yeah yeah uh, it's it's twenty twenty two yeah but yeah no um be able to stop making type of jokes <laughs> no. No, the year's not done yet. They're not. It's not done with us. Uh, but no, like I mean, in of course, I'm kind of tiptoeing around the issue because I don't want to. Like, I'm not trying to be preachy mm-hmm. on my beliefs. I know people have different beliefs. I, you know, I personally am just. If it doesn't hurt you and your life, who cares? Um, you know, support right. people, love people, respect people, um, be kind to people, and support you know to me i'm support i support my friends and unconditionally uh but that way huh yeah but you know i I, 
I'm not I'm not trying to upset any audience member who might be listening and feels differently, but I do feel like I do feel like this is a very realistic this is a very realistic show of like I said of homosexuality because this is something that she can't help and it just happened and how is she supposed to put that back in the box because she can't not be who she is right and what and what that what that can do to a a family who's not expecting this yeah and, and you know there's yeah there's there's so many layers of this issue cuz from the parents rental side you know the the struggles of being a parent you are constantly feeling like you're judged like and especially in the age of social media like everything you do when you broadcast it on social media as a parent is scrutinized and if your kid's doing something wrong it's scrutinized and you know the fear that parents have of you want to you want to put them in the bubble, right? You want to blow the bubble up, and you want to put them in the bubble, and nothing bad ever happens to them. Nothing bad ever will. You, you don't want anything ever to happen. You just want them to be happy and safe. Uh-huh. In this issue, MJ shows that that's not reality. No. If if you want kids to grow up, they've got to stumble. They've got to fall. They've got to do things. And they've got to learn the same things, you, same lessons that you learned. Similar lessons. Now, hopefully, not the exact same lessons. You want to, you know, you want to impart your wisdom to the to the child. But you, you got to let them have the freedom to be able to be themselves. Exactly. And that's definitely what you're seeing with the the inner conflict with Mary Jane, in that. You know, you could put things in the closet and, and uh, you know, put the, put the costume in the closet, but it doesn't mean it's not still there. The problem is still there. You can sit there and avoid well, it. I'm not, I don't want to ever call it a problem, but the thing is, is yes, you can avoid these things. And, you know, like I said, you use the closet allegory uh, without quite realizing it, but yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying and is, you know, this is one of those issues that just kind of hits that it's like uh-huh. yeah a parent can just choose to ignore parts of their child but are you actually fully supporting them and giving them what they need by that and even though you know we know peter and you know mary jane they love they love may everything is coming from a place of love uh-huh. and wanting to protect her and wanting to make sure she is safe and she can you know I think at this point it's just survive another day. Um, but it is the thing though is is like is that actually helping me grow up and be a human being like or be a you know be an adult uh-huh. or is that you're almost kind of your own ego and your own need to hold to hold on to, like I said, with good intentions to protect them, because at the end of the day, eventually you can't, you know, like there's going to be a day where you're not going to be able to protect your child anymore. Uh And I know that that's a scary thought. Like, I mean, I I know that, like I've, 
again, these are one of these things where it's like as a teen and I'm reading this, you know, I, I understand a little bit, but I didn't understand the gravity until it's like, you know, yeah. Like, I mean, we've, we've had conversations about my parents. I think like, mm-hmm. I can safely say like, I have some of them. I have two very dedicated parents, very much like Peter and MJ here. Mm-hmm. They're not going to let go. They're not going to, you know, if they can find a way to protect me in any way they will. But, you know, eventually they had to learn when I was in college that I was an adult and they can't protect me from everything. And I know that's scary. I know that's hard. And even now, like, you know, 31 years old, you know, I still talk to them daily. They still check in on me. They still want to know where I am and what's going on. They still love me. But, you know there's life experiences I've had to live with and oh no we got frozen we got frozen Kelly of course as we start winding down the episode (laughs) so uh, I'll really quickly I'll read some comments um Bateman says you can see Sarah Hingle in the background of uh, Amazing Spider Girl number one and we lost Kelly. So while we lo- while, while we wait for Kelly to get back on, um, yes, Fink, when there was a Spider Girl story, you missed. It's a pro story. Um, so Mister Comic said earlier that he didn't know if you guys are if he's ever pre-ordering for Pop the Box again. Hello, I was reading comments while you were gone. Yeah, sorry, it, it uh, died and I had to just reset. Like the internet didn't die, die, but it just decided to cut the, the cut your feet. bit. Yeah. So, anyway, um, no. it was fine. we were walking in circles on the That's same true. thing anyway. I think, I think we've, I think we've hit it on the head. It's, yes. Uh, MJ is a great parent and she got to learn a lesson in parenting as well as we did in this issue. Yes, absolutely. So she, she like may in the last issue grounded herself. <laughs> um, I mean, that, 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 it's very uh, the the final scene is very poignant, and obviously there's a joke at the end where you know now I have to go talk to your father about some chili and, and your and your brother. Um, but at the same time, you know she she's you, as a parent you have to learn to forgive yourself for your mistakes that you make with that child. And that is something that is very real, very, very real. And um, yeah, it's very poignant. So kudos to Tom and and Ron and uh, the crew because they they crushed this one. Uh, oh, they yeah. crushed these issues out of the park. So they did a great job. Yeah, totally. I again, I I love the fact too. It's like. We kept saying this whole time, oh, yeah, three issues. This will be easy. We'll probably be done in an hour. But because they're such good issues with such important stories, we have really just dug deep in here. And we've now hit about the same time we normally do. Um, but I think it's I think it's a good thing. I hope I hope people like our, our deep dives. Uh, no, there, is, there is a way to let people know about that, too. Yeah. You can always leave us an email at makemymayday at gmail.com or spideyradionetwork at gmail.com. 
voicemail if you like 818-925-6631 you can leave us some feedback we don't have any of the feedback this episode so no, not not yet not yet I'm but old, though. yes I'm, I'm sure that there will be some that will be writing in or calling in um so uh, you can always go to r slash spider girl uh, there's also the Discord group too. If you haven't checked it out, I think yes. you can find uh, the final yes. link is on uh, Reddit. Yes, and also too, um, definitely, you know, because I don't think we like super always ask for reviews, but definitely leave us a review on Apple, and then I and star us if you're listening to Spotify. Give us five yes. stars if you like us, um, just so that way that helps with the algorithms and helps us like maybe get some new listeners. Yeah. Uh, you know, and obviously share, share and subscribe and do all the fun things uh, so we can um, maybe get more letters. But yeah, so next episode is going to be Fanfa- Fantastic Five Volume 2. We're going to go through all five issues. Um, I did not skim it to give it a blurb. And I'm going to be perfectly honest. I only remember a teeny tiny bit that rocks the team to their core in this one. It's another lasting consequence, I believe. Yes. Uh, and let's just say, I think you're going to want to tune into it, especially if you liked uh, Fantastic Five Volume 1 and you just like the Fantastic Five. Because uh, it's, uh, from what I remember, it's a lot of fun. But like I said, I've only reread it twice. So I have, I'm not... I don't know. Like, like I said, all I can remember is the. It's it's not a twist, but the, what happens, and I don't want to give it away because I I think that it's something that is very, um, earth shattering. <laughs> characters. So yeah, so uh, we will definitely. I think right now it's going to be the last week of July. Um, I don't want to set that in stone just yet, guys, just because I do want. Um, I want to make sure that everything is good. Right. Um, but I will be, I will say this. I am, I am working from home next week, so we are pretty much free. So if we want to do it next Thursday on the 28th, like planned, we should be good to go. So yeah, uh, tentatively we'll say the 28th, but, uh, definitely be sure to check out our social medias. Um, that is definitely the one of the best ways to uh, to find you know find out more information. Go to the Facebook page at Spidey Dude Network, uh, as well as the Instagram. Uh, you got Twitter at Spidey Dude Radio and at Make My Mayday. YouTube, of course, youtubecom slash Radio Network. Be sure to give us the like, share, subscribe, hit the notification bell. Um, Insta, uh, TikTok, you can find at Make My Mayday and at Spidey Dude Network. I promise, I'm going to produce more content on TikTok. I just. Uh, I'm an old man trying to use new technology. So <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm a little scared of TikTok, honestly. Like it's fun for the cosplay stuff, but like once you get out of that, TikTok is a scary place. It it's yeah, it's <clears throat> it can be used in a very negative way. It's a scary place. It's a it can be, it can be a, it's it's, it's kind of like Twitter too. I mean, like the TikTok and Twitter are kind of like both can be oof. Oof. yeah yeah so, All right. uh, we'll begin to wrap the episode up thank you guys for watching thank you guys for everybody that was listening to us tonight thank you for our live comments uh we really do appreciate it 
Um, be sure, like as like we said, be sure to leave us emails and voicemails. We'll we will play them on a future episode, uh, and uh, let us know what you think. Uh, be sure to give us reviews on the, our Discord as well. Go to uh, spidey.com. You can find the Discord link up at the top of the page. Join our Discord. Um, and we want to thank uh, our latest subscriber, Sir Gigalot. Uh, he just joined the. Uh, uh, I know his name makes I love me. The name. The name is great. Uh, it's a great name. So thank you for our latest subscribers and thank you guys for our Patreon. We want to also at the end of the episode, mention our Patreon subscribers as well. Uh, Vickman, Scott, Jurgen, Greg, Phoenician, Georgia, Cindy, and Kale. Thank you guys for your, uh, support of this program and all the fine programs here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network. Got some exciting stuff coming to you very soon and we cannot wait to bring it to you. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And we will see you next time here on the Spidey Dude Radio Network.